are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. At 106, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, this portion of our program brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Bricknick Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop it and see them. Delicious food, drink. You can sit out on the deck. They're also going to have a nice crowd tomorrow night for the uh, Celtics. Game six now. Must win. Backs against the wall. Celtics, Warriors. I'm going to read, by the way, also that um, that uh, fun, I think a funny story. Um, a good column, I should say. In this morning's Boston Globe about the um, uh, about the Boston fans. I'm going to read that uh, coming up in just a moment. But I want to bring you the latest. Let's go back to the situation. Uh, I think it's just a real disgrace with what took place yesterday at the State House. The maneuver they pulled on the Second Amendment community. It was real, real sleazy with what happened. Um, and, and the fact of the, the matter is it that this is not I, I think you have to make a decision. Are these really people that you'd want to be in business with? I think that's the message that they send. I think it's very damaging. And people that take the time to go up there and take part in the process. And then they're they're treated like pawns. They're absolutely treated like like pawns with this this whole thing. The, they're not. This is the Channel 10 story on it. The House version of the bill that bans high-capacity magazines. I'm Dan Jane. And I'm Patrice Wood. It's one of three bills that lawmakers passed late tonight. And the night team's Molly Levine joins us live from the State House with details. Molly? Patrice and Dan, the full Senate met for hours tonight, and after a very long debate, the Senate passed the House's version of the bill 25 to 11. House as lawmakers vote on a set of controversial gun control bills, one that would raise the minimum age for buying guns from 18 to 21, another that would prohibit loaded shotguns and rifles from being carried in public, and a third that would ban magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. These individuals are here to see the vote. But that vote not easily determined the Senate's version of the bill banning high-capacity magazines tied 6-6 in the Judiciary Committee, meaning it initially failed and wouldn't have moved forward. However, they then voted to send the House version of the bill by Representative Justine Caldwell to the full Senate floor for a vote, something that didn't sit right with some senators and Second Amendment supporters. We have representation in this building for a reason, and the senators represent their people. What they did was just circumvent and again pervert the process. People should be very upset about that. Some argued that the bill banning high-capacity magazines would turn law-abiding citizens into criminals without a grandfather clause. I would respectfully point out to the body that we change our laws. We do that when our laws are bad and are no longer serving us. It used to be legal to own other human beings. Senators introduced several other amendments, but they were all voted down. I think it's insulting uh, um, as well for the sponsor to kind of share tears and remorse and then introduce an amendment to gut the piece of legislation that's in front of us and to water it down. Um, It is not our emotions. It is not our tears. It is not our our sorries and thoughts and prayers. It's our actions that matter. 
and the other two gun-related bills also just passed in the Senate 31 to 5. Now, all three bills are going to be sent to Governor McKee's desk, where he's indicated that he's going to sign them. I'm Providence, Molly Levine, NBC 10 News. You know, um, again, I want to go back to that was a pretty sleazy maneuver. It was a very sleazy maneuver. I think it sets up a very dangerous precedent with how things are done. Dan McGowan and I of the Boston Globe discussed that a little bit earlier. I think it also, it's the type, what kind of message does this send to the to people that are thinking of doing, um, are, are thinking, and, and see, here's where we go. Rhode Island, Kathy Gregg just tweeted this. Rhode Island issues angry day after denunciation, reaching back 30 years to paint Senator Ruggiero as a lawbreaker. That. I think that's just lazy. I think the messaging is lazy. Um, I try to be supportive, but I think a lot of it is just completely lazy. I think they, they, they're not making the argument. Um, I want to just also, folks, this is on. And again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. It's 111. On this um, on this Wednesday, um, I want to also uh, we can't ignore that right now. They're saying that the price of gas could end up going higher. I want to just remind people that that is a big voting issue, and. Locally, they're not doing anything about it. They're not doing anything to try to stop it. It's 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 nickel and dime, right? Nickel and dime. What they're doing, um, it, it, as far as you know, locally, and they get the gas tax and everything else. It's it's really frightening. Just. Um, that they, they don't have a handle on how high this whole thing could go. It's, um, if, 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 gas is over $5 a gallon, but they, they, they don't even, they, they don't know where it's going to tap out. And that that is, um, I can't explain enough just... The, the prices are unsustainable. This was on the CBS Morning Show. Um, the energy secretary mentioning and even admitting that these gas prices are essentially unsustainable. This, these prices, what point do they become unsustainable? And two, ironically, does this push us closer to renewable energy? Yeah, I mean, I think the prices are unsustainable for many people right now. I mean, everyday citizens who are on fixed incomes paying huge amounts of money that they had not anticipated or budgeted for just to get to work. It's, it is unsustainable for many, and unfortunately, there's not a quick fix. However, your point about also accelerating... You know, this business of that they want to come up with different energy sources, they're not prepared for it. It's just... You know, why, why isn't this is uh, on CNN earlier? Why isn't anything to bring down gas prices still sitting on on the table? Why are there? Oh, 
Here we go. Oh, well, you've been on, what, a half, time, a half dozen times this year, and we always talk about what options are still available, and you say, well, those are still on the table. Why is anything unilaterally to bring down prices still sitting on the table? Well, as we respond to circumstances and circumstances change, we will consider all options. But I want to be very clear. This president has made history with historic uses of executive authority to go directly at the problems we're facing. So in the wake of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, the president rallied the world and announced and used executive authority to make the largest release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He has, again, used his executive authority in creative ways. Listen, they don't have an answer on that. I think it's pretty, they don't have an answer on that. Um, what is this story? Motors fill up nice amount last week. California gas station, a glitch dropped gas prices to 69 a gallon. Good. The, there is no end in sight. You know what else I've also seen are, you know, this whole business of people traveling around in the vans. Right? Remember like Gabby Petito and there's other people that are trying to do that. Well, with one of the vehicles now, one of the people doing it, 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 it costs, I think I saw it, it costs $300 to fill up, fill up the tank. Suddenly that is not uh, an attractive alternative to traveling around. Now, I want to just um, check some of the other headlines. Biden warns oil companies, more gas, fewer profits. We'll use emergency authorities. Letter harks back to the Carter area. Hmm. Van life meets $300 tank. It seemed like a good idea. Folks, I don't, this all feels that everything could just, getting pretty closer to just a complete collapse. But it starts with the top. It starts with, this is not a policy problem. This is the Biden is the problem. Right? Biden is the problem. Um he should not be in that job. I think it's comical that they're now saying or the Biden people are trying to argue that he's the only one that can beat President Trump. <laughs> So therefore, he needs to remain in office. I um, I, I don't. That's not going to be enough. Their whole this whole White House is is a disaster. They're they're not set up to win. They're not even set up to be effective, as a matter of fact. So, and I know, but here's the other thing. I saw someone post. Well, you know, Biden should just resign. Let's remember who's waiting in the wings. I want to play. Tucker Carlson had a good piece last night that the Democrats are ready to ditch Kamala Harris, the vice president. Let me just hear some of this. Tucker last night. Deny Harris the job that she has earned as Democratic nominee and replace her in the next cycle with yet another, wait for it now, white man. Let's try Beto. How about Mayor Pete? Notice the theme here. Pale and male is there forever telling us. Because it turns out. Diversity isn't actually our strength. Equity and inclusion are fine if you're hiring middle managers at a big company. You would never hire a middle-aged white guy at Citibank. That's probably illegal. 
Same with the airlines and hospitals. We've got way too many white male pilots and heart surgeons and Supreme Court justices. The Biden administration tells us that constantly. They seem to me that they use DOJ to enforce their rules. Yet somehow the most anti-white political party in the English-speaking world is suddenly pushing another white man for president. How does that work? Joe Biden and friends, Ron Klain. Well, it turns out the presidency is a different thing. Affirmative action is essential for vice presidents, obviously. That's how we got Kamala Harris in the first place, but not for presidents. Presidents have too much power, so the usual diversity standards don't apply. We've had 46 male white, pres white male presidents in a row. The Democratic Party wants you to have another. <laughs> not so fast, racists. Hold on a second. Now, the rest of official Washington may be completely on board with this coup against Kamala Harris, who, again, earned the job. They may be willing to stand back and allow America's highest-ranking woman of color to be degraded and humiliated in the pages of the New York Times. But we're not. We believe Kamala Harris is a human being with hopes and dreams and aspirations. She's a first in so many ways. She celebrated Kwanzaa before it was even invented. And of course, now that Oprah is retired, Kamala Harris is America's main source of life-affirming aphorisms that don't actually mean anything. Watch this montage, which we have lovingly collected, and ask yourself how anyone could stand in the way of this woman becoming president of the United States. Mm. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. And so what we all experience is on an electric school bus, on an electric bus, no exhaust, no diesel smell. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. This whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, <laughs> I don't think you guys. And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers. She would look down at me and come, like, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom. <laughs> You're gonna literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. With your own eyes, I'm telling you. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together. It is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India who also you know likes hip-hop <laughs> like, what do you want to know <laughs> what do you want to know <laughs> she's unbelievable you would deny that person a chance to serve that is the person the democratic insiders are tonight ladies and gentlemen trying to remove from the public stage and if no one else will say it we will it's wrong Despite appearances, Kamala Harris is not a disposable consumer product. She's a pioneer. Do you know what she went through trying to get a fair shake in a systemically racist country as the daughter of college professors? It wasn't easy. You know how hard she worked? At one point, she even dated Montel Williams. Few would go that far, but Kamala Harris did. No wonder she's sick and tired of being sick and tired. We get it. Watch as she did the work and unpacked her generational trauma live on television for you. You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Yeah, that little girl was me. Now, that 
little girl actually grew up in French-speaking Canada, not in the Jim Crow South. But whatever. Look what she's become now, simply because she's a moron and no one likes her, even agrees on how to pronounce her first name. The Democratic Party is trying to throw Harris away, toss her out the window like a used Big Mac wrapper. Now, Kamala Harris may be stained with secret sauce, but she deserves more than that. Yes, she does. Mediocrity is no excuse for firing someone. A low IQ, a terrible personality, a total inability to do the prescribed job, those are not reasons to deny someone a job. The Biden administration has told us that repeatedly. By the way, democracy plays a role in this, too. You just saw the woman who Liz Cheney tells us a lot got 81 million votes in the last election. Now, that's the most votes of any vice president in history. That's more votes than Liz Cheney's dad got. So denying Kamala Harris the Democratic nomination in 2024 is nothing less than a form of insurrection. It's an attack on democracy and on our sacred norms. It's disinformation, probably Russian in origin. Whatever it is, we cannot allow it. And as long as this show is on the air, we won't. Tonight we are endorsing Kamala D. Harris for the 2024 Democratic primaries. She deserves it. Now, folks, again, as much as Tucker Carlson is being facetious with all that, and again, I, I also just want to mention, good afternoon at 122. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program is brought by Brothers Disposal. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal today. Now, maybe you're doing some spring cleaning or a small household construction project. Brothers Disposal, they can help you by putting a dumpster in your driveway or maybe at your business. Call Brother Roland today, 401-688-0517. If you have a dumpster delivered to your home, it's so much easier cleaning out unwanted belongings from your garage, from your basement, your attic, your backyard, or maybe you're doing some kind of a project. Get rid of it. And it's just so much easier. You just walk out into your driveway. They'll deliver it to you, and then they'll remove it when you want it out of there. Brothers Disposal. Look for them on Facebook, purple and yellow. Call them for a free estimate, 401-688-0517. Call Brother Roland today. And they're also offering weekly trash collection services. Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380. And 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online, as I like to say, at our website, depetro.com. I um, I want to just uh, um, I want to just come back to something I said last hour. Well, first of all, two things. So, what happened yesterday at the state senate to the members of the Second Amendment community, really to everyone. To the two-way community especially, though, you have to ask yourself, would you want to do business with that crowd? And I think the answer is a resounding no. They're slippery. They're underhanded. But I want you to absorb a larger issue here. The larger issue at hand is they're not the type of people you'd want to do business with. So as much as I think they're being funny and being slick And I want to applaud State Senator Jessica De La Cruz that was calling them out on it. And it was a slimy maneuver. I think that's a larger question, but it's insight to how they think. Now, I want to return to something that I've talked about that's getting no coverage in the press. But we're going to start doing a lot more coverage on it between now and primary day. 
And that is, here's what I want people to understand. And I fully get it. It would be much, folks, this would be much easier. Much easier if Channel 10 and Channel 12 and the Providence Journal and Channel 6 and the, but be much easier if everyone was bringing this to you and highlighting to you what I'm about to tell you. It would be, but they're not and they're not going to. You have to wonder about motive and bias. And a lot of people don't get that. I also want to mention one thing. Um, Not to get off topic here, but you know what I've also learned as someone that I deal, obviously, a lot with social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, primarily YouTube, but primarily Facebook and Twitter. What I've really learned is that people don't read. And what I mean by that is they don't even, they just, you know, more and more, they just read headlines. I I also, I understand the people, you open up a box, you put the directions to the side, and then you just start assembling it and, and trying to make it work. And you're looking at the package of the box and you're not fully reading the instructions. But I'm saying something I find with social media is people just, they don't read something. I deal with this every day of people that comment on something. And I can tell they didn't fully read. And it's not a long post, by the way. We're talking about a paragraph. But as far as the ballot and the ballots and the mail ballot applications that are going out, um, they were designed a certain way. They were designed, and I, I will highlight and get into this more, but why is it that you have, you put your address and then you put the address you want the mail ballot sent? My point is, why would that be different information? Why would a voter be looking for another place to have their mail ballot application sent? I find that very odd. There's something to it, obviously. Here's the part. I want to just, I'm going to cut right to it. There's 60,000, at least, by the way, at least 60,000 illegals living in Providence. Not in the city of Providence. Not my number. Not even contested, by the way, the number listed by the census. Sixty, At least 60,000 could be higher. They make up 30 to 35% of the population of the city. Now, what I want to, what I'm trying to highlight here and bring to your attention is as I look at this mail ballot application and our voting the way it is set up, there is nothing to prohibit them from voting. But I want to be very clear about this. I'm not saying that they actually go and cast the ballot. I'm not suggesting that. I'm talking about the information is used to cast a ballot. And especially, you got to look at who it is that we're talking about. These are most of the people that we're talking about. The majority of the people we're talking about are from very poor countries. And let's face it, they're from, a big percentage of them are from Guatemala. Many of them are don't have a high-level education. I can't imagine they can write English. They can't even speak English. They could probably put an X somewhere, but they're purposely used 
just as a person, not casting the ballot, do I think an illegal family living on, you know, Manton Avenue in Providence, do I think they're lining up and voting at the polls on election day or primary day? The answer is no. There's no reason for them to. That's why there's so many mail ballot applications is what I was trying to get across to Dan McGowan earlier. That's why you're not seeing television commercials. A lot of people don't get it. And every time I talk about this, people say, you need to have voter ID at the polls. You, you're not, they're not stealing that way. There's stealing going on. They're not stealing that way. They are they're being used by campaigns. There's, there's no mechanism to check if someone on the voter rolls isn't illegal. I don't care what they say. I've gone through this stuff. You have two pages. It's two pages by design. There's nothing on the mail ballot application on page one that says anything about you can't be a foreigner, that you can't be uh, a non-citizen. It just says I declare all this information is based on the best of my knowledge. It's page two that they have this part, and it's in a smaller type. That says knowing and willfully making a false application shall be guilty of a felony and subject to the penalties provided. If anyone attempts to intimidate or duly influence you or interfere with your right to vote, contact your local board of canvassers. Then it says any person knowingly and willfully making a false application or certification of knowingly and willfully aiding and abetting the making of false application or certification shall be guilty of a felony subject to the penalties provided. However, they don't mention what those penalties are, and they don't use the word vote or ballot. They use the word certification. That's by design. There's one small part in Spanish. Be sure to clearly print or type. One part is in Spanish. That's it. And then they have the local board of canvassers, Woonsocket City Hall. Doesn't say who to contact. They have all the different places that you call. Most of them are town halls. Cumberland Town Hall. Um, Gloucester Town Hall. Lincoln Town Hall. Board of canvassers. But you don't have that at the top. Right? It's not like a cigarette package. That says danger. This product can cause lung cancer. It's not like that. So what I'm trying to point out that no one is bringing to your attention is the reason why. And we started to get into it a little bit with Dan McGowan. Um, I like to talk about with him what he writes about to hear his perspective. I don't talk about it with him with my perspective because I'm having him on to talk about his perspective. However, I just believe that's why you're not seeing the Celtics are on tomorrow night. You could certainly make a big argument. You're going to have a good Rhode Island audience for that Celtics NBA final. And unless something changes, the only commercial I think you're going to see is Ashley Kalis, the Republican with that boxing ring commercial. Um, how come you don't see, hi, I'm Nellie Gobea. Dan McGowan was mentioning earlier, she goes weeks without doing anything. 
There's no commercial of Dan, of Dan, Governor Dan McKay. There's no commercial of Seth Magaziner. What I mean by that is 10 years ago, they all would have wanted to been in. But that's not how it's played anymore. But I, I recognize it's so inside that a lot of people won't fully. And I, I get it. There are some people that say, oh, dead people are voting. No, that's not how they're doing it. Or someone says, we need voter ID at the polls. They're not going to the polls. You know, I'll have a more extensive conversation with Dan McGowan about that. But as I've mentioned, folks, and again, good afternoon at 134. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I recognize, I fully recognize what I am saying is not being absorbed by some people. And it's because, it's not your fault. It's because it's not being reinforced to you enough. You're not, the rest of the media is not focusing on it. Right? The, the, the only one that really seems to grab it when I talk about it is Justin Katz when we do politics this week. Because he and I have been talking about it for a long time. I've talked about the thing that opened my eyes about it because it evolves. Right? It evolves. Are people robbing banks? Yes. What's different about it? They're not using a gun. Because if you get caught robbing a gun, the gun charge puts you away in prison for a long time. So what did they start doing? They don't even show a weapon. They just walk in with a note because they know the banks will give over the money. See, the crimes evolve. So you have to evolve with it. I tell the story when I first was speaking to someone about voting and they said, oh, you mean how dead people are voting? I knew. All right. So they don't know. They don't get how the game is played. Nope, that's not it. You know how every every so often th- there'll be a notice of people, the attorney general, be careful of there are scammers calling people, you know, saying they're with Blue Lives Matter or they're with Black Lives or whoever. You know, they're preying on grandparents or elderly or whoever. But they, there's, they alert you. That sometimes there's a new scam. Well, that's that's what's going on. But this one is so evolved. My point is, with this type of voting, this is not democracy. This is not democracy. Nellie Gorbea, you know, Stephen Pryor should not be head of commerce signing this deal with the soccer stadium. Should not be. Total conflict of interest. Dan McGowan pointed out in the city of Providence it wouldn't be allowed. You know well, so should Nellie Gobea, the Secretary of State, should not be running the election. They should change it to if in fact you announce you're running for a higher office. Actually, she uh, Secretary of State shouldn't even be running any election, but certainly not her own. You have to step down. But they don't do that. You know, I've noticed that in Rhode Island, the the, the Democrats, they, and by the way, folks, those listening, and good afternoon to everyone listening in Massachusetts, in Bellingham, in Rentham, in Douglas, in up to Worcester, in uh, Millville. But the um, Rhode Island voting laws are, are even much looser than Massachusetts and Connecticut. So it becomes a Rhode Island problem. But I noticed that in Rhode Island, the Democrats, they, they don't have a problem with loose voting because they only think 
that they know how to cheat. And they're not wrong. You know, I, I've heard people say, so of those that want to come around and canvas or someone says, we're going to ballot harvest. I don't think you understand the extent of how much they do it. But let me just come back and finish the point. And, and this is, it's one thirty-seven, and you're listening to the John DePietro show. But what you need to understand is the, the battle, the campaign, it's no longer out in the public square. In 2020, 65% of the votes were cast before the polls opened. And only 35% voted day of. This time around, it's going to be even higher. It's going to be 75 to 80% and only 20% votes cast that day. Oh, excuse, yeah, 20% that day. The entire election will be decided already for the most part when you wake up on election day. If you're like me, most of us, we'd like to vote at the polls on election day. But that's not how they're doing it. That also, why have a debate? Because it's not being decided by the general public. Now, take $100,000 with a campaign. No one else is going to tell you what I'm going to tell you right now. Take $100,000 with a campaign. And someone says to Governor McKee, or let's just say Nellie Gorbea, let's um, take that 100000 and let's uh, run it commercials in the Celtics game tonight. Now, the only problem with that is, okay, that sounds like a nice idea, or you're going to run a television campaign. I'm not saying all 100000 in the game, but just hear me out. A $100,000 TV buy. I think I've, uh, Ted Nisi has reported that Ashley Kalis, the Republican, has been doing, spending that kind of money. But if you're Nelly Gorbea, folks, for, for that same 100000 you, you could pay $20 a ballot and get 5,000 votes. So if you spent, and it just keeps going, that's really like the going rate right around there. For $100,000, you can pay campaign people to get you, hand-delivered, by the way, into the ballot boxes, 5,000 votes. Right around there. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. $20 a, a vote. Might be 25 but inflation. <laughs> so so that 100000 you run $100,000 worth of television commercials. There's no guarantee that any of those people are going to then go and vote for you on primary day. But this is guaranteed. This is, boom, in hand, dropped off. You get to count them. You get to whatever process you want to do to look at them, count them. But it is money in the bank. 5000 boom. Now, let's keep going. So what do you get for 200000 You get 10,000 votes. 10,000, here's the thing, 10,000 guaranteed votes. What do, I think by now you can get, understand the math. So you have $400,000. You could get 20,000 votes. Guaranteed. And here's the kicker. They're put in the drop box and counted before the polls even open. So when the polls open on election day, you already have a 20,000 lead. Now, 
Here's the larger question. Why stop at 20,000 votes and 400,000? Keep doing the math, right? If you have 500,000, you put 500,000 into the mail ballot, mail, whatever we're calling them, early voting ballot, vote by mail ballot. You get 25,000 votes before elect before the polls even open. Go ahead. Go to 600,000. 30,000 votes. So you have to ask, what's it going to take to win the Democrat primary? Now, let's go to, and this is important. This is important. All right, that, that, that's actually a fear question. How many votes do you need to win a Democrat primary? So what we do to get an idea. Now, it's, it's going to be, as Dan McGowan was saying, it's not going to be as many as someone needed in the past because you, you have a more, uh, there's more candidates in. But something very easy to do is, if one can do it, um, is you just go to the 2018 primary between Gina Raimondo and Matt Brown. And you see what did it take to win. Now, the only thing is the results are going to be different because... um, because the, there were only two people in that primary. So in that 2018 primary, Gina Raimondo received 66,000 votes, but she got 57% of the vote. Matt Brown got 40,000 votes. 40,000 votes, 33%. And then Spencer Dickinson, I forgot about that, he ran. He got 10,000 votes, almost eleven. Almost 11,000 votes, and he got 9%. But the percentages are going to be much lower because you have McKee, you have Gorbea, you have that Helena Folks, you have Matt Brown, and the other guy's not going to do anything. So Matt Brown thinks he can get 40,000 votes, 33%. I don't believe that. So just stay with me for a moment. The, the real thing is that the real total of people that voted were 116,000 votes. 116,000 votes. And Raimondo won overwhelmingly with 66,000. But I, I don't believe you're going to need that many in order to win. Now, 116 was in 2018. There's a very good chance, I would imagine, there's going to be 120,000 voters in that primary. So the question is, if you were to get 40,000 votes, you could end up being the winner here within the rest of the field splitting that somewhere around there, right? 40,000 votes right around there would probably be the winner. Maybe right around, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. But sticking with the math, you, you don't want to leave this for the people in the polls. You know, that's to then put you over the top. Now, if, again, if you apply the math 
of the 80, I think this is going to be 80-20. That means that about 85 to 90,000 votes are going to be cast by early voting mail ballots before the polls open on primary day. That's where it's gone. It's, it's wrong. It shouldn't be going on. That is not a, a debate. That's not a campaign. It's not a battle of ideas. It's all become a battle of the, the uh, who's going to grab, you know, the most, the, the most street votes. Who's going to deliver? Who's going to pay people in that equation? So you might have someone certainly willing to pay. For $600,000, you get 30,000 votes guaranteed. Now, someone might say, eh, I don't, still don't think that's enough to win. So maybe you, someone may spend 800,000 votes. Eight, excuse me, $800,000. $800,000 to get 40,000 guaranteed votes. Do you go to $1 million for 50,000 votes? I think you might have to. I think the number taps out there. So here's my point. If you're Governor McKee and Nelly Gorbea, you may run some commercials at the end because you still need some of those fray people. But that's where the bulk of the money is going. You're, you're literally paying people to go and go out and hand deliver votes for you to the, the uh, these drop boxes. And even... Keep in mind, no one's ever been charged with filling something out like this that was then, oh, hey, wait a minute. You know, someone's an illegal. They, they never follow up on that. They never follow up on that. Now, you can also look at the amount of money that someone could make. So Nellie Gorbea is meeting with a bilingual individual and says, I'll pay you. I'll pay you $20 per vote, $20 a vote. So that person says, so in other words, if I go out and get you 5,000 votes, I'll give you $100,000. Folks, for that kind of money, you certainly you set up teams. You set up, you know, you're going to deliver more votes than anybody. You could get a group of people working for you. If you say, and it's over a short amount of time. Right over a short period of time, someone with the proper apparatus could really rake in some money here. But where this also is broken is um, that anyone can register to vote. And I want to remind people: here's the part that no one challenges: is there, there's there's I post by the way I posted these ballots on our website depetro.com. There is um. There's no provision. The word illegal or foreigner or anything, it it doesn't even come up. And the Board of Elections, they even admitted there's nothing that questions citizenship. Nothing. Now, I posted this. I haven't seen anything about these forms. I haven't seen one press release from the Rhode Island Republican Party. Nothing. Um... Zero, as a matter of fact. There's not one element here that says you, you need to be a resident of Rhode Island and you need to be an American citizen, a U.S. citizen. Zero. Nothing. It all just states make sure you're not voting from another town. 
and you can put the X. So why do you think that is? Do you think that's an accident? I like someone sent me an email. Maybe it was an accident. They forgot to put it. Yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, it was an accident. Uh, there's, 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 nothing is done around this place. That's None of it's done as an accident. So the larger picture, this really takes in the, it's the statewide races. It's the Providence the bulk of this is Providence. And no one can prove me wrong. Let me just say that very firmly. No one can prove me wrong at 150 on this Wednesday. They may not like what I'm saying, but none of them can prove me wrong. And this business of saving democracy and everything else, give me a break. Is that democracy? One person goes out and collects 1,000 votes and is paid $20 per vote? That's your idea of democracy. It's illegal in Massachusetts and Connecticut. It's legal to do that in Rhode Island. That is what's called ballot harvesting. Anyone that has seen the film 2,000 Mules, that's what's called ballot harvesting. As I've said in the past, the only difference is with Rhode Island and 2,000 Mules. In 2,000 Mules, there's a limit of how many ballots slash votes you can drop in those drop boxes. In Rhode Island, there's no limit. So I still have some of the people that have seen 2,000 Mules that say, I think we should put cameras on the ballot boxes. They still don't get it because it doesn't matter. Even if you film someone putting 1,000 ballots in or 5,000 or 10,000, it doesn't matter. There's no, I don't know how else to explain it. There's no limit. Put as many as you want. No. What is comical is the Rhode Island Republican Party saying, well, we're also going to do that. Yeah, good luck. That's like the Washington General saying, tonight is the night we beat the Globetrotters. Not happening. Nope. Sorry, Harry. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, brought by Propane Plus. Call them today, 401-885-4209. It's Tim Johnson. It's Propane Plus. For all your propane needs, if you order propane, I request, I implore you to go with Propane Plus. 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. Propane is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment. Now it's renewable. Propane Plus, they have a very easy-to-navigate website, propaneplus.com. Heating and cooling, residential, commercial. Propane Plus, three generations. They're available 24-7, online billing. All customers receive a free safety inspection. It's Propane Plus, 401-885-4209, or go online to the website, depetro.com. So, folks, again, good afternoon. It's 152. I think that's a larger issue. I also think that at this point, I just, I don't remember the state as broken as it is right now. Um, is as far as Rhode Island, and we don't know the. Um, we don't know the where who, how things are going to go in Massachusetts with the next governor. Ian Donis just put this terse exchange last night in the Rhode Island Senate when Jessica De La Cruz argued the mag, magazine capacity bill was not properly for the chamber. We have possession of the bill, Senator De La Cruz. Forget, we're never in the right, the minority party, right? This is uh, Ruggiero now, Senate President. I'm sorry, 
We're, of course, look, we either have possession of the bill or we don't. We do. De La Cruz, you just engaged me, so I'm engaging back. Forget, we're never in the right, the minority party. Wow. Hey, um, they're not your friends. They are not your friends up there. You know what Jessica De La Cruz needs? You know what Senator Jessica De La Cruz needs? More allies. More allies. She can't do it all. She can't do it all. Look at this. Here's one of the progressives. Let's be clear. There are many House bills that come directly to the Senate floor through out the session without any objection. We just did this in May with the Let Rhode Island vote House bill. If you don't like the rules, you shouldn't have voted for them. I actually agree with her. Why are these people agreeing with it? Dennis Algier voted yes. Could that guy, would it, would it be possible for someone to be more useless than that individual? I don't think it's possible. No, well, I'm not sure what bill they're talking about. Adopting the rules of the Senate. They shouldn't have. Hmm. Shouldn't have. Shouldn't have allowed it. They set it in motion. That was a trap. Um, the, none of it is going to help the gun violence in Providence. None of it. Zero. You know what's going to happen the next shooting? The police are going to be looking for, can anyone help us with the information? And the answer is always no. And that's never addressed. Never addressed. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in and see them. Right off of Route 146. Delicious food, great lounge. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So, hey, listen, it's it's um, the only good that can come out of last night with the maneuver pulled at the Rhode Island State House would be if it motivates some of the individuals to... Uh, now seek office because that's that is what it's going to take and maybe some of the people yesterday are going to get serious and challenge some of these people I'm already learning that it looks like Senator McCaffrey may now have a challenger and and you have to hit on the high price of gas the crime the corruption the sleaze. Uh, we're at a turning point right now. Folks, look at this joke story. Jamestown Council seeks to make amends for selling slaveries in the 1700s. I, I don't know how do you even address something like that. Otherwise, that's Jamestown. Um, once in the business selling slaves, Jamestown will acknowledge a wrong. Uh, there's no one alive that was part of that. There's no one alive that was engaged in that. How how is that? Uh, see, they're 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 all concerned about the past. They're so consumed about the past. 
and you know they, they, they're going to right a wrong. How is that going to right a wrong? It's not going to change anything. But like, look at the priority. You know what? I like Jamestown. If they want to do it, if the people in the town want to do it, it's entirely up to them. I mean, then fine. Like what? You know, I I don't know what else to make of that. Um. We, but we are. Make no mistake about it. I believe at one fifty eight, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. The um. It could be a breaking point at some part. Be, at some point, because you're starting to see things are really starting to fall apart on the national level, and I mean the wheels are really coming off. Listen, we all know the housing market is very inflated, and the amount of money that is going out there's just there's too much money floating around, and what's really unfortunate. Um, I am had not, you know, I wasn't a fan of Commerce Secretary Raimondo as governor, but at least she was elected governor. And at least she could have put some better. Uh, governor McKee has just blown through money like it's monopoly money. Governor McKee does not, my opinion, respect taxpayer money. Because if he did, he wouldn't be giving out $3,000 bribes to judges that are term limited on the bench. As incentives to stay. Why do you have to offer someone a $3,000 incentive bonus when they have a lifetime appointment to the to the bench as a judge? That's just, you know what? We're throwing around the money can because we can. All right, folks. Um, tomorrow I'll read the Boston story, the Boston Globe story about how people are upset. The Golden State Warriors very upset about how Celtic fans have treated them. Hey, listen, it's John DePietro. Enjoy this Wednesday. I will be doing Facebook later. Big updates on DePietro.com. Jeff Gamach is sitting in for John Dion, and he's next after the 2 o'clock news. Let's all listen. Listen, it's John DePietro. Enjoy this Wednesday. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.